Welcome back to the Cold Stove Podcast. I'm live from sunny and not 100 degree Austin, Texas. It's kind of nice, NRD. My name is Brett Merriman. In front of me, NHL Rumors Daily from Parts Unknown. NRD, what is going on with you? We are one step closer to the start of the regular season. The unofficial, official, whatever you want to call it, games kick off tomorrow, October 7th in Prague, but season starts October 11th. I'm doing quite swell because of that, Brett. It is that time of year again. It is. It certainly is. Apologies to our Cold Stove faithful um, for no episode last week. What happened was I was on the road. Um, I will be writing a column about that this week. Just kind of taking a uh, taking a, a road trip, clear the old mind. And the expectation was we were going to be able to do an episode, but I forgot my mic. And so I don't know if you've listened to the last episode of Cold Stove. I was basically doing it with my MacBook uh Mike and it sounded horrendous and I apologize and so we didn't want to do uh, another one of those and make your ears bleed with that especially because it would have been a quick one anyway given my my road trip anyway that is out of the way now cold stove is back it's like back back and so look out for an episode or two a week some twitter spaces some more content with myself and NRD and we'll get into the swing of it NRD are you uh are you excited for the prod games, or is it sort of like it kind of feels like the MLB opening day where they play a couple of games in Tokyo or Australia? It's like, okay, they, they, things count, but I'm not excited until I have an 8 p.m. Rangers-Bruins game in front of me. Yeah, I think it's more of that. Like, I don't want to take anything away from you know the Sharks or the Preds, but they are the San Jose Sharks. They are going into a rebuild. I don't think any names there. You know, It's more so what the league has been doing for the past couple of years, a service to the players on both those teams that are from those countries of those nationalities, whether it's Czech or I know, you know, the Preds played a couple preseason games in Switzerland. So it is the start of the season. It doesn't really get the juices flowing as much as what we got, you know, on, on October 11th, which is, you know, Rangers Tampa from MSG and LA Vegas in Vegas. So really in, in theory, the season doesn't start in my eyes till October 11th, but these games do count. So can't sit here and say, can't can't not talk about them, right? They do count. Points will be given out. The season has officially started. Agreed. Do you think there's, and this is just an immediate tangent, and I apologize, much like the NFL does with, you know, Monday night football or Sunday and college football with Saturday and hockey night in Canada with Wednesday and Saturday, should the NHL is there a part of you that wonders, like, what if the NHL just owned Thursday night or owned Tuesday night? I know I know. TNT kind of does their Wednesday thing and it mirrors or, or Tuesday, whatever it might be. But is, the, is there enough real estate in the TV week that it would make sense for the NHL to kind of go all in on that? Or is, do you think there's sort of an attempt as it is right now? I think there's an attempt right now, and and it started with NBC when they tried to do that Wednesday night rivalry thing. Remember that? It was like you know they they pair up a bunch of East yeah. Eastern Conference teams and they doubleheader it with you know Uh-oh. LA versus Anaheim or something like that on the West Coast. I, I think the the problem with that is when you play a sport with an 82 game schedule, it's hard to keep that interest for one night a week like throughout the year. So. When you think of the NFL or college football, it's what, a 16, 17, 18-week season? All the games are on that one day. You can kind of own a day. But 
with the way hockey Canada is with, you know, how it is in the public public eye right now and the 32 teams in the league to have 16 games, you know, on a Tuesday night starting at what 7 p.m. You're going to have to stagger them anyway. It's really hard mm-hmm. to do as opposed to like how the NFL has the weekends or college football because you could start those things at noon and run it through midnight, you know, based on time zone all day, all college football, all day, all NFL. You can't really get that all day hockey thing. With the way you know yeah, games have to be played at seven PM and all that, so it it would have to be two. It would have to be so like you wouldn't have all sixteen, but maybe you have a two. Like every Thursday night, you have eight marquee games, starting at maybe maybe if you create like a five o'clock time slot. I don't even know if that's possible. You know, we'd have to we'd have to change a lot of things. Yeah, but you probably do six, and then you have a six, uh, an eight thirty or a nine, and then a I don't know. And you probably you end up getting late, right? With with a marquee Western mm-hmm. conference game, but I just I think there maybe if I'm in charge of the NHL marketing department, which I wish I was because I wouldn't have Green Day be the official band of the league. There's something there's something to NHL TV becoming more like a, a cadence to it. And I think that would be a, a helpful thing for the league. And a lot of leagues have that problem. Like, I don't know when Austin FC plays soccer games. I don't know when the NBA, like they kind of have their marquee games mm-hmm. and it's their marquee and NBA on TNT and NHL has NHL on TNT. But there's no like hockey night in Canada. Yeah. Hockey night in America. You know, they're, they're, I think there's sort of been a half-hearted effort to do that. But I I think that might be something that the NHL could improve on some sort of triple header night every week at the same time with the same hosts and marquee teams. Yeah, no, uh, it would be great in in theory. It'd probably work out at gangbusters for the league. I think the other part of the problem too is, you know, what football has done for TV and sports in this country, like football Mm -hmm. owns so many days a week. If you really think about it, you know, especially once you start getting to like the winter, right, with how the college football schedule works. And then and I promise we'll end the, the football talk on, on the hockey podcast. But I'll just say this. <laughs> when you look at how the football schedule works, especially when you get into, you know, the winter. Big ranked matchups are being played on Friday nights now, too. So if you think about it, the sport of football, whether it's college or NFL, owns Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday nights now. Where you really only have Tuesday, Wednesday to not compete against the NFL because no one wants to compete against the NFL. They're already yep. trying that with, you know, you know, the NHL and TNT doubleheaders on Wednesday. ESPN, if you look at the ESPN schedule this year, the national schedule, a lot of those games are on Tuesday nights. So they're trying to do yeah. it. It's just a And lot. it's just the problem is it's not a it's not a night to it's not a bar night. You know, it's just not a not a bar night, not something that you get amped up about, not a night that you can necessarily Go out. I mean, people do obviously, but like, yeah. it's just not as big of a draw. Agreed. And maybe you test it out, saying Sunday night from January to April is going to be owned by the NHL and should be, yeah. because college basketball starts taking over and like, okay, but college basketball should be able to go head to head with the NHL and have the NHL come out on top. In my opinion, Agreed. we're a hockey podcast. Anyway, that's enough about broadcast TV. We can get to more of that. At some point this year, because I think that's a, uh, an interesting discussion, especially with ESPN having games, um, TNT having games, and, and kind of that shift away from NBC. Maybe we'll uh, we'll spend some time with a, on a Twitter space with somebody. Absolutely. Anyway, 
Did anything in the preseason uh, intrigue you or surprise you, NRD, or maybe disappoint you? Actually, the the one team that I was really looking forward to seeing in the preseason was Seattle, because they have oh, Matty okay. Beniers now, right? Shane Wright's going to play a full season in the NHL. They're starting to turn that page of they listen. They sucked last year. Ron Francis, I don't think, did a good job of building that roster in the expansion draft. Now with another year under their belts. Some of those young guys that they took in the draft are coming to play. I'm really intrigued to see how they did. You know, I was really intrigued to see how they were going to do in the preseason. I'll tell you right now, Beniers looks like a stud. Um, more time mm-hmm. for Shane Wright will only make him a better hockey player. So that, I was really excited to see that in the preseason. But other than that, like, preseason hockey is one of those things for me. It's time to kind of refamiliarize yourself with the players. Who's where? Who's who's playing on what yeah, line? a lot of new faces. A lot of new yeah. faces. Some guys don't really play as much during the preseason. Just it's more for me a time of holistically to get in that mood that hockey's back. You have to turn on whatever channel, whether it's TNT, ESPN, ESPN Plus for some of the preseason games. Hockey's back. So nothing in particular besides the Seattle thing, but I am excited. I wasn't coming out of this preseason going preseason hockey sucks. So that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think preseason in uh, sort of across the sports landscape has turned into don't get hurt season. Um, you know, the NFL, you see guys not even playing now. You see NHL, it's a lot of weird line combinations and which makes sense. I mean, there's no camps are not camps anymore. They're sort of screw around sessions where the couple guys are battling and you, the roster's more or less set, right? Yeah. That there's no more getting in shape in the camp and playing six games because these guys keep in such good shape throughout the year anyway. Mm-hmm. So preseason's a little bit of a, I don't know, going going down in importance, in my opinion, yep. and it's just familiarization and whatnot. So I, I tend to agree with you. It, it was interesting from a fun to see guys in new spots kind of thing. Oh, so and so looks good. So and so is faster. So and so looks, you know, twelve pounds stronger type of mm-hmm. thing. But I don't think you can glean a whole lot from it. I don't think you should glean a whole lot from it. Um, but the one thing that, that, you know, can be considered concerning, I think, is a lot of guys are injured to start the year. And whether that's preseason to blame or the, the lack of rest that guys tend to have in the offseason and then get right back on the ice and from playing their the beauty leagues and stuff like that, very few guys around the league anymore go fishing for two months mm-hmm. or two and a half months because they know that everybody else around them is working so hard. So I think their bodies tend to get fatigued in a, in a period of time that's supposed to be rest. Yes. Guys will take a week off and feel like, oh my God, I got to get back on. But that's led to, I think, more injuries around the, like I said, the sports landscape. Because guys take it too easy in practice and go too hard off the ice. Football players do the same thing. They take it easy in practice, go hard in the weight room, and then you see a hamstring mm-hmm. or an Achilles or a back. Kind of these softer tissue injuries that feel more and more prevalent when they shouldn't be in a time of advanced science and uh, physiotherapy type Cute. of things. Matt Grizzlick, Taylor Hall. Talbot now takes a shot off the ribs in Ottawa. He's out. Trevor Zegers got banged up the other night. Zegers. Oscar Sundquist and, and Andrew Kopp in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carter Hart in Philly. He's not going to be ready to start the year. And then 
Pacioretty and Lanner we know in Vegas. So Pacioretty's in uh, in feels... Carolina. Oh, good. Well, my you, bad. You're good. Carolina, Carolina. Pat- I'm so used to Pacioretty in Vegas. Any, but you know, like just guys across the league are banged yeah. up to start a season, let alone be 27 games in. So I don't know. I I think the injury start to the year is is interesting because you see a lot of teams that are going to utilize LTIR and going to go through some growing pains because they don't have their full squad. And we know that tends to buy some time for coaches perhaps. So that's my just aside on the injury front and, and preseason hockey as a whole. Anything on that before we move on? No, you're, you're spot on. I, you know, you can't tell these guys not to play in the games, right? Like that's, that's what's the solution. Then they talk about it a lot, you know, in other sports, just, well, don't have the, your, your starters play in the preseason. It's not easy either. Cause then they'll just get hurt two weeks later in the regular season. So it's like, you kind of need those games. Mm-hmm. Like I understand the, the idea behind preseason. Um, but like, just sucks. It sucks to see guys like Zegers get hurt because you're looking so forward to having those guys in the ice. They're some of the most marketable players in the league. Or a team like Philly, where you know you're not going to be good, but you might have a bright spot in Carter Hart to be, you know, your guy as you go into a rebuild. Like, and it just sucks to not have those guys, you know, playing when it really is attributed to the preseason, whether it's the preseason's fault or whether they just got hurt that time of year. You know, there is an attribution there. And and it just sucks. No doubt. Uh, newsy stuff. Jason Robertson is not a Buffalo Sabre. And he signs a four-year bridge deal for $7.75 million to stay with the Dallas Stars. Uh, smaller number, I think, than people thought, but also smaller term, which probably begets that smaller number. What do you have on Jason Robertson? I honestly didn't think he was going to be wrapped up in Dallas as quickly as he did. You know, like Kevin Weeks old weeks here, good friend of the show tweeted out, keep an eye on mm-hmm. Dallas stars yesterday. Um, Dan, Darren Drager comes through with a tweet. That's like, listen, both sides are not really happy with each other. The stars don't really have a lot of cap room. There might be some gymnastics, you know, that they'll have to go and do. And then last night, Jason Robertson ends up back in, in Dallas under a contract. I think he's underpaid, but I think you have to look at the situation that Dallas is in right now and their cap situation. He gave him a little bit of a discount. Mm-hmm. I don't think J Rob is the type of player that wants to sit on the sidelines. I think he wants to be out there continuing to get better, especially when, you know, we put up 40 last year. I think he can do it again this year. I, I really do. So for him to take a little bit of a pay cut, knowing that he's going to be on the ice, he's going to be under contract for the next four seasons. You know, does this mean he's a star for the rest of his career? Absolutely not. And I, and I wonder if there's any, right? Because players don't necessarily try to hold the grudges. That's what the agent's job is for. But I wonder if there's any rift now that mm-hmm. causes, you know, down the line, two or three years into this contract, you hear about like a Matthew Kachuk situation in Calgary, where it's like J-Rob might be looking on the outside of Dallas. But right now he's under contract. I, I think it's unfair to Robertson. I think it's more than fair to the Dallas Stars. And I really do think he's going to put up 40 goals this year again. I can see it. Yeah, but and by the way, the the uh, sort of the Sabres smoke that was out there last week on it, that's that's legit. Uh, Andrew Peters and Craig Reve on After the Whistle tweeted that out. Um, that's 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 real. I don't know how much how, how close it got to a trade offer. Um, I think there was sort of some gymnastics there as far as we know that you can't pay him what he's worth. We are inclined to be able to, and and 
wouldn't mind doing so. So here's the deal potentially that we could do, knock, knock on his agent's door and say, bring this to Dallas and and then here we go. So I think in a sense, having trade partners or potential trade partners out there sped this thing up a little bit too. And you know what hurts this whole situation, not to go on a rant, but like the offer sheet problem. Because if you're Buffalo, just offer sheet them. You know what Dallas's cap situation is. Now, there's no rivalry between Buffalo and Dallas, two different conferences. So it's not like you're screwing them out of one guy, you know, if they have to match the offer mm-hmm. to Robert. Just do it. And, and I think that's still the hesitancy for most GMs to send an offer sheet their way. Because, like, from what I had heard, what would have been going Dallas's way in that package, probably damn close to the equivalent of what that, you know, middle level, not the four first, first round picks, but like that middle level offer sheet would be anyway. Just offer sheet him. Mm-hmm. You got nothing to lose. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with this whole offer sheet conundrum in the National Hockey League is still that hesitancy to do it because it's like you don't want it to be done to you. I, I don't know. I, I think that we, you know, because if there was an offer sheet candidate this year, it's a guy like Jason Robertson. He's available. A lot of discontent between him and the Stars organization. They don't have the cap room to do it. Stars, stars can't stars afford, can't afford him. him. It's October 6th. It's October 5th. You know what I mean? So if we're not going to see it then, yeah. I don't think we'll ever see it. It just kind of pisses me off when you think of it that way. And it's just like Buffalo, really, they have the ability to go off sheet them. They absolutely should have. Yeah, it would have made sense. Uh, and, and it comes down to those offer sheet things. It says, all right, well, we can't do it because we don't want it done to mm-hmm. us, the unwritten rules of hockey. And uh, and here we are. So happy for Jace Robertson getting some money. Uh, he will be an RFA again in the summer of 27, which seems wild to me. Yeah. You forget how young he is and um which probably is what also keeps the price down uh because he's they're not paying for any UFA years mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So he that that could be one of those by then the salary cap will be up which we'll talk about in a bit. That contract in the summer of 27 for Jason Robertson could be a massive massive contract. So Stars lock him up for uh for another couple years, four years to be exact, it's 7.75, a raise for sure, but certainly deserves more than that. Um, can we talk about our friends over at Factor? And we absolutely ID? can. You, fam- you familiar with these I guys? I am familiar. I actually did. I had my Factor meals last week. I, I... How about that? When you think of fall, I think of packed schedules. I think of sitting on the couch watching sports, all of the best sports. And I think of what I'm eating. Fall is all about comfort and just having a hot, nice meal ready to go and factors ready to eat. Meal delivery keeps me fueled up and feeling good no matter how crazy our days and nights of sports get. Quick lunch, factors got you covered. Nutritious meal, factors got you covered too. They make it easy and it's cheaper than takeout. Serious win right there, NRD. What's your favorite meal you had? There was a, a stuffed pepper casserole, a little bit Ooh. of Tex-Mex flair to it. You know? Okay. I liked it. I'll tell you what. I, I'll i be honest with you. The the ad reads are your lane. I will say this, though, about Factor. Pretty impressed when I came in. And, and I mean yeah. that in the, you know in a very nice, endearing way to our friends over at Factor. When they came in, I was like, oh. You know, let's see how this goes. Pop in the oven. I was very impressed. So I'll let you continue. But I will say that. <laughs> I mean, it, you got like uh, the sun-dried tomato chicken mm-hmm. is one thing I had. 
get some garlic and herb chicken. Easy to do. Really, really uh, just delicious meals. And it kind of exceeded my expectations, I'll be honest with you. Factor has endless options, however you like to eat. Choose from keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, or protein plus to get chef-crafted, dietitian-approved recipes you'll look forward to every single time. Factor meals save me time and keep me satisfied because they're chef-crafted recipes, like I said, are packed with restaurant-quality flavor, and it's so good. It's just so good. Pop them in the microwave, good to go. So here's the deal, NRD. Head to go.factor75.com slash stove130 and use code STOVE130 to get $130 off across six boxes. Again, that's stove130 at go.factor75.com slash stove130 for $130 off. I will put that URL in the show notes. I know it's a mouthful, pun intended. Um, NRD, the, the Rangers have kind of had this, what are they going to be this year after sort of exceeding the expectations last season, right? Mm-hmm. Where are the New York Rangers right now? And, and is Jimmy Vesey sort of re, uh, resurrecting his, his career Well, on Broadway? Was it? On Broadway, yes. Was his career ever gone? No. I mean, he's he's hung tough. I'll give Jimmy Vesey a lot of credit. He's bounced around a ton since his first, you know, debut on Broadway. But he's been around on the second line. Today. Well, I don't, I don't know if over in range. I don't know if that's gonna stick. Um, okay. But you know, they they got a couple guys left to to send down. You know, they they have a couple defensemen with the with the club right now. They're shoe ins to get sent down. And then Johnny Brodzinski is probably gonna end up in Hartford to start the year. So you're really looking at that mix of like Jimmy VC, Dryden Hunt, Ryan Carpenter, who I think has the inside track to some role there, being familiar with Gerard Gallant from their time in Vegas and Florida. But VC's right in that mix. It was a good PTO pickup. A couple guys that we saw on PTOs this this fall, or should I say summer, are not on those PTOs anymore in their cut. But VC's hung tough. And, you know, to answer your question about where the Rangers are right now, I they're a club that's going to see some regression, whether that's in the overall points that they have the, you know, this year, the team points, maybe they won't regress there, but they're going to regress off of some of the performances they have this, that, that they had last year. I don't think Kreider's going to pop 53 again. I don't think Shesterkin's going to have, you know, the fourth best statistical season for a goaltender like ever. I think, you know, he'll still be great. I think he still might even win a Vesna, but just to have what they had last year, with Kreider, a guy who's never really eclipsed 35, put up 53 or 54 or whatever. And then, you know, Shesterkin to just go, you know, out of this world and stand on his head and have an historic year, you're automatically going to regress, regress just from having those guys be great and not perfect. So I, I think they're still a contender. I, I still expect them to be in the final four this year. But at the same time, you're going to see some sort of regression, whether that's they put up, you know, 108 points in 112 or whatever they did last year. There will be some regression just because of some of the performances they got last year. Does a guy coming in like a, whether it's Vinny Trocek or Sammy Blay or, or Lafreniere taking that next step, like who is the, you know, I mean, we mentioned Tage Thompson on the show a lot because I'm a Sabres guy. Who is that candidate? for the Rangers this year, that, that breakout or comeback, like who are we not talking about in the preseason? We know the guys, mm-hmm. 
Zabanajad, Kreider, Panarin, Barkley, Goodrow, even Heedle. Like who is, who either either is poised to or who needs to on the Rangers? Well, I think it's another year. It it, it starts and stops around that kid line, right? Lafreniere, Filipino, and Capocacco. I think they're, they're an easy answer, more specifically Capo Caco and Alexei Lafreniere. I think Heedle's been around long enough that we, we kind of have an idea of what Heedle is. He's not really a center, but, you know, he prefers to play the pivot. He's probably best served in between Lafreniere and Caco, but there's no real spot for him on the wing. But if you look at Alexei Lafreniere, a guy who was a captain at Ramuski, much like Sidney Crosby, a guy who had a lot of hype coming into the National Hockey League, Always thought of as a leader, probably not the best skater, but a great leader, an offensively gifted player, hockey IQ off the charts. He showed that at spurts at the end of last season, especially came on big in the playoffs as a leader for that club. There's no no doubt about it. That was that was the first time I was like, oh, I yeah. get it. With Absolutely. And, and so now you have a full season of him playing in Gerard Gallant's system again after he kind of came on at the end of last year. Kako there, who, remember, he was scratched in the Rangers elimination game. He's going to get a chance to step up into a big role. I look at them up front, but I, I think the guy that really is the key for the New York Rangers, no pun intended, is key, Keandre Miller. You know, the guy's mm. turning into a budding superstar in the National Hockey League in terms of what he does as a defenseman. He's smooth as hell with the puck on his stick. He can take the puck from one end to the other. Truba, obviously the captain of that team, but his defensive partner, Keandre Miller, I think is infinitely more important than any other guy in that club. Because what we've seen from the New York Rangers is they've kind of lacked at times that shutdown pairing since the heyday of like, you know, Stahl and Girardi or McDonough and Girardi in 2012-2014. Keandre Miller has a real chance to step up and be one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. You know, not including that mix of guys like Cal McCarr and, you know, Roman Yossi who are just doing freakish shit every night. I think just a solid, you know, mm. defenseman. Keandre Miller has a real chance to be that guy. It feels like this, I mean, and we mentioned this on this show before, the window is, the, we're in now. We're yeah. in the window. The window is now because they don't have a ton of cap space, just over a million bucks right now, and their roster is, I mean, it it's set. You have your guys that are making big money, mm-hmm. you have your depth that is not making big money, and you've got guys that you're going to need to pay, Keandre Miller being one of them next year. Um Braden Schneider in a couple of years, Lafreniere next year, Philip Heedle next year, all going to get contracts. This is their last year that you get them at 925 because they're all going up. So like it's, it is, here we go. What are the New York Rangers? Because this team is built to win this year. And so I'll agree with you. I'll say they're one of the, top, the, the final four teams. I think this team beats Tampa Bay yeah. and Toronto for that matter. But Toronto may be I think Toronto's uh, going to be there with him. Yeah. You think? We'll get to that portion okay. of the show, but I do. We will. We will. Hey, uh, justice for Sonny Milano, NRD. Released from his PTO today in Calgary. Feels like a guy, thir- I think 30, 30-ish points, maybe 40 points last mm-hmm. year. Why, do- why does Sonny Milano not have a contract right now? Uh, By the way, Cody Eakin also released. Well. Uh, former Buffalo Sabre. Yeah, I was just going to say, former Buffalo Sabre. You know, Sonny Milano, a little bit of an undersized player, and, and, and I don't want to start anything on this podcast that isn't accurate or anything like that, but, you know, he obviously had a brush up, you know, with some issues when he was in Columbus, and it never really seemed like he was able to be that guy that stuck anywhere. 
And I just wonder mm-hmm. if it's one of those situations where good player, a lot of talent. I think people around the league understand that. Um, just, just a hard guy to fit, you know, not because of his fault or maybe his doing, but sometimes it is his doing. Who knows? Just a tough guy to really fit into your lineup on a night in and night out basis. Anaheim was able to do it because, you know, Anaheim last year was still in that rebuild heavy mode. They're starting to come out of it now. Um, but that's that's really the deal on Sonny Milano, in my opinion. He's just one of those guys. It's hard to really pencil him in night in, night out in your lineup just because he's good, he's talented, but there's something missing there, something that maybe you or I can't figure out or many people around the league can't figure out, but there's just something. Something, yeah, you're right. Talented kid. Uh, hope the best for him. But a lot, of, I mean, a lot of PTO releases where you're like, huh, like James Neal mm-hmm. released and... You know, it's just it, a lot of veteran guys that are going to be the first ones to get calls, but you, do, you, you don't want to pay him a bunch of money to be on your AHL exactly. team. So would you rather, like, sign James Neal, put him in Abbotsford, or give him a call, you know, November 10th when you need three forwards and need NHL experience, and now you can give him a contract type of thing. So I think it makes sense from that standpoint, but hoping these guys get uh, get some more looks. Uh, speaking of needing contracts, Alex Debrinkit and Dylan Larkin need them. They have one more year on their deals in Ottawa and Detroit, respectively. Frank Saravalli of DFO believes that Larkin's gone at the deadline. NRD, would you agree with him? One and two, do these deals get done sooner than later? Or are we looking into next summer? I don't know if I agree with Frank on that. And I'll tell you why. I think there's a good opportunity. Detroit's going to be in the thick of things at the deadline. I'm not saying Steve mm-hmm. Y is going to go and buy, but I'm not so sure he's going to sell. Because if anybody understands it, and, and I sound like a broken record at this point, but I've said it numerous times on the show, when you're a team that is young or a team that has lost, the most important thing for those younger guys in that locker room is to start winning, right? And, and this might not be the Red Wings year. I can almost tell you 100% it's not the Red Wings year to win a Stanley Cup. But that experience gained by having a young team that could be hot at that time of year and potentially get in as a wild card is that experience and and what that does for the for those guys in the locker room is invaluable. So I say Dylan Larkin stays a member of the Detroit Red Wings simply because I think they're going to be in that mix come March 1st. I think that's the deadline this year. And, and I don't think Stevie Y is a smart man and a very smart GM and a former captain of a dynasty himself. I think he knows what it takes. And I think that's extremely valuable to him to have a guy like Larkin there if they're going to go down that path and say, hey, who might have a shot of sneaking into the postseason here? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I it was on his bold predictions column, mm-hmm. but he kind of backed it up with a lot of different things. So I was like, yeah, you you probably do believe this, but I tend to agree with you that I think Detroit's going to be much more in the thick of it than they mm-hmm. have been. They're good too. Uh, I watched a little bit of their preseason game whether it was last night or the night before. It's a fun team. Have some goaltending now. Have an explosive offense, obviously. Guys are healthy and have Mo Sider. Could, you, you could have a worse uh, 23. I'll put it that way. Um, and then to bring it, that just feels like one of those. Uh, Ottawa hasn't been in this position for so long. And they have a new, like, ownership's different. Yep. You know, it, there's just a lot of moving parts in Ottawa. And so one of those things like, hey, like Alex, we'll get to you when we get to you. We got a lot of shit going on. We had a lot of expectations now. We built this team and we'd like, let's let's worry about today before we worry about the next eight years of your career. 
kind of what it feels like. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think you make an excellent point about them not being in that position for quite some time now. Um, they'll start the season. They'll play well. And I'm sure Debrinket will want to talk extension at that point. Would agree. Would agree. Speaking of north of the border, uh, Patrick Waugh, there was a report from Patrick Lordy yesterday, uh, independent journalist, who said he looks like an Im- imminent return for Patrick Waugh to the NHL. He met with the Habs brass this week and figures that it's either Montreal or retirement after he's all set with his last year with the Quebec Ramparts. Interesting thing there, uh, there, NRD. What do you think? Well, I know we're a big Get Patrick Wild Job podcast. We have been for. I, I'm the number you one. You are guy. the leader of that fan base of the club. I knew they fucking met last year. They confirmed that. Anyway, you were onto something, Brett. No, I listen. I, I think St. Patrick deserves another opportunity in the NHL. He kind of had a Colorado team, if I might opine on Patrick Wild really quick. Please. He had a Colorado team at a point where they were still. Rebuilt like McKinnon was brand new in that system, and Landeskog was only a couple of years older. You know, a couple of years old in that system. Like he, you could give him a lot of credit as being the guy that kind of set up the success today. Now he wasn't responsible for Cal McCarr by any stretch of the means, but some of those other guys like McKinnon and like Gabriel Landeskog and Nico Rantanen, I believe, was in the system at that point. Like he was kind of their first head coach. He kind of planted those seeds, you know, and set the avalanche up for success. So I don't want to really beat up on Patrick Watt too much. Um, he does deserve to be back in the national hockey league in some capacity. Listen, great talent evaluator. You don't, I will say this about anybody that coaches at the junior junior level. For the most part, there's some assholes, but if you coach at that level for as long as he has, and has had the success that he has at that level, you're, you're very good at evaluating hockey talent. And I think to some degree, whether that's with the, you know, the, the Habs organization or anywhere else, he'd be a great talent evaluator. Um, so if it's not retirement, I would hope he gets another chance. If it is retirement, you know, bonsoir, uh, St. Patrick. <laughs> you, what I'm hearing you say is I think you just gave uh, Patrick Watt credit for the Avalanche Stanley Cup. If I can make that leap. Yeah. Quote card it. <laughs> the, uh, the other one, not the ones that he won personally, but. Uh, last year's. Anyway, yeah, I think the league is better with Patrick Watt in it. It's sort of like when Texas is good at football, right? It's it's a personality. He belongs in in Montreal. He wants to be in Montreal. I'm sure he he would love to be part of Montreal and their next step. They've they've assembled quite uh, quite the brass up there between St. Louis and. Uh, Gordon and, and Hughes, like there's there's a lot of Connecticut junior hockey dads getting together at Applebee's and uh, putting together a hockey team. It's fun, man. and could and could be like I don't know, could they be a fun team this year in Montreal? Absolutely, les habitants. Absolutely. Listen, maybe not in a successful team, but they're going to be team. more fun than some of the other bottom feeders they're with: San Jose, Chicago, Philadelphia. I would don't do it. Don't do it. The Buffalo Sabres are no longer a bottom feeder team. I'll just say thank that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank but you. But no, if you're talking about the teams that might be in the bottom of the barrel this year, whether that's, you know, Seattle, maybe you can loop Seattle in there too. Um, Seattle, San Jose, all those teams. I think Montreal's gonna be the most exciting, maybe up there with Seattle. Okay. Okay. 
I don't know if I'm going to put Seattle in the most exciting team. Just no, yet. most exciting in that, you know, in the, yeah, in right. the 25 yeah, yeah. to the 32 range. Most exciting. Yes, I think Seattle and Montreal that's will fair. lead that group. I just, I think with Montreal, it's, I don't, I don't know. I, like something about the Suzuki Caulfield, like Josh Anderson put together a great year last year. You always have Brendan Gallagher. You have Slavkovsky, who I think is going to get some run. Correct me he if will. I'm wrong. Is he going to get nine or is he going to get a full whatever? Not I'm really, not no. Quite yet, sure yeah. yet. I, and, and if somebody in the Montreal media has said something, please send it my way because I, I don't, I haven't looked into that quite uh, as carefully yet. But Jake Allen gets a new deal, right? Which probably signals that Carey Price is closer to the locker room than the ice if i can put it like that so maybe i mean maybe we're looking at some some sneaky wins like if you go into montreal don't load up on uh croissants and and uh les patisseries you know what i'm saying nrd before the game because they're not going to be a pushover hockey team they're not uh let's go to another pushover hockey team the Coyotes are going to be responsible for, I think it's like a 30% drop year over year in, in their revenue, and the ongoing debacle continues for the future Austin Coyotes NRD. Anything on that shit show? You know, a couple of reports came out. I think Nick Caprios was the one who reported it, that the players aren't happy with the, the current setup. Shocker. See, I don't know if I'm buying it, that they're – like, I don't think – Listen, if you, I can't speak for Jacob Chikrin or you know Clayton Keller or some of those guys in Arizona, but if you told me last year that you'd be playing in a 4,700-seat college arena that's being in the process of being built while you're kind of a tenant there, I don't think my expectations could be any lower when I showed up. So the fact that like Kiprios is going out there saying you know it's worse than they expected, I don't know if my expectations mm-hmm. would be high enough for it to be worse. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily buying this whole. You know, they showed up and it was like horrible. I think they knew the situation that they were in. Um, it's not going to be fun. It, it really won't. And Jacob Chickren's going to find himself on the Ottawa Senators probably by November. Yeah, are we... Is it is it down to Ottawa and, and L.A. for Chickren kind of as it has been for a long Columbus time? Columbus is in play too. So if you're, if you're the Arizona Coyotes though, like, what do you want for Jacob Chikrin at this point? I mean, like, how many more draft picks, like, can you can you have? I don't. I mean, granted, next year they only have a first, a second, and two in the third, so maybe you get more firsts. But the the next year, twenty twenty four, they have three second round picks, four third round picks. Twenty twenty five, they have four second round picks. So. Are you like? Are you looking at twenty thirty for the first team for the first time this team's competitive? Like, how? I don't understand the plan, and I don't think many well, people do. If you if you allow me for a second, I might play the matchmaker game. Can I play the matchmaker game for a second? Hit me, sure. Hit the music, whatever you want to do. Behind door number one, you got a Detroit Red Wings team that can use another guy in that blue line. Guy with a little bit of experience, mm-hmm. but he's not too old. He's not a Mark Stahl. You have a nobody's as old as Marston. You have a great prospect core, you know, up front with your forwards. You have a guy who's kind of been in and out of that RFA and waiting status in Ty Bertuzzi. 
does that swap to some degree? Maybe pieces going one way or the other makes sense for both sides. I I mean, sure. Like if you're if you're Arizona, you're probably trying to get picks, which Detroit has. You're trying to take on salary to weaponize cap space, which Detroit doesn't need mm-hmm. this year, but certainly will help them in, in years to come. And you probably want a roster guy that can sell tickets. And I think Ty Bertuzzi would have a good time uh, in the Phoenix metro area. If you kind of where I was going with so, it. Like the, the fit, you can absolutely yeah. see. I don't think the Red Wings are a worse team with Jacob Chikrin in and Ty Bertuzzi and say a first round pick or a second round pick and a couple prospects out. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't disagree. I did. You and know, I'm just curious because. Like to say here. If Detroit was involved in Jacob Chikrin, Chikrin, we wouldn't know about it anyway with how Stevie Y conducts business. So I just want to put mm-hmm. that out into the universe. And we'll see. I could be way off base, but we wouldn't know anyway. So want to put that out there. You got to uh, you got to look at Detroit, too. We, we talked about them being this young, up-and-coming team. They're not that young. No. Like, there's they're, they're some young studs, which I think is why they get that, you know, that moniker. But they're not that young, they, and because they have a bunch of guys who are are UFAs next year, Larkin UFA, he'll be twenty seven, Tyber Tuzzi, UFA, he'll be twenty eight, Pia Suter, UFA, he'll be twenty seven. So they're like they're they're not old, but they're not young. They're you know they're not young young. Philip Zadine is twenty two, that's about as young as you're getting. Lucas Raymond yeah. obviously that that you know him him being kind of on the side here, but like their young core. It's 26, 27. It's not 22, 23, like perhaps a Buffalo or an LA mm-hmm. type of thing. So keep in mind when we're talking about the Detroit Red Wings, Jacob Chikrin absolutely makes sense, as we like to say here. But they have a lot like this. This is one of those years where their team's going to look very different next year. Absolutely. Based on how many people they have to sign. Oli Mata, uh, Osterley, Gustav Lindstrom is going to be, he's an RFA. Like a lot going mm-hmm. on there. So, Nedeltovich, too, to, to put a bow on it. So, Detroit, team that's certainly poised for the future, but they have a lot to do. It's not just set it and forget it, like maybe a New York Rangers team has. Correct. So, I, that's, a, that's a long way of, of saying that uh, it's annoying that the Coyotes are still in the situation they are, but they are. Um, NRD, we have talked for a long time on this podcast about how the NHL revenues can, will, and have bounced back Mm -hmm. much more quickly than maybe some pessimistic uh, north-of-the-border journalists have thought, which is so, you know, I love Canada. But it's they're so European in the sense that like when this when it feels like the sky is falling, the sky is, is they report that the sky is falling just based on mm-hmm. vibes alone. And we in America tend to have, I think, a little bit more of like a an optimistic don't worry about it. Uh everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. Feel I think that's a cultural thing. Because like when you, you it kind of stems from I look at soccer teams, when like Man United goes down one nothing. 34 minutes into the game there's still an hour left and everybody's like oh game over like oh we're doing it's over done expire the manager yeah 
I think Canada takes a little bit of that UK. Oh, it's fire everybody. It, it, this is awful. Like, yeah, c'est la vie. Like, yeah, it's just it's just that like pessimistic sky's falling attitude. So when the NHL needs to pay back their owners a billion dollars, they're like, oh, we're not getting the salary cap increase until 2036. Just shut it down. Dodge. And and we're like, yeah, pretty much everything has bounced back quicker than everybody expected. So that being said, next year, salary cap going up to 83.5 million. The year after that, approximately 88 million. The year after that, approximately 92 million. As these TV contracts kick in that the NHL has worked hard and deserves. That means that you are basically getting $10 million of non-existent cap relief in the next couple of years. That means we're going to see a Nate McKinnon contract every single year. Does Austin Matthews get a match contract in this new environment, which would be 20% of the salary cap, upwards of $16 million a year? He does. Does he get it in Toronto? Good question, NRD. What do you think? I think he gets it in LA. Los Angeles. That's interesting. Not Arizona, not Toronto, but I don't LA. think he's going to go to Arizona because I don't think Arizona is going to be a good hockey club. And it's proven, I for, mean, for listen, forever. Have the Leafs not proven it? It's not just one guy that it takes to win a championship. I mean, they have like six guys there and they can't <laughs> no, get out of the first round. So, like, <laughs> if, if it was four guys, yeah. Maybe, so, like, but... you put him in Arizona, it's actually worse. You're going to get a worse return on investment. No, I think he's a West Coast guy through and through. Report today um, that Friedman's been all over, and I'll give him the credit on that. Like, that. Kyle Dubas might not be returning to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, we had said that on this podcast going on going into last year, how his contract was up after last year. They gave him a one-year extension. He's he's under contract this year, but that it didn't look likely that he would be the long-term guy in charge of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Austin Matthews really likes Kyle Dubas. If Dubas is not there and Sheldon Keefe isn't behind the bench, what really does that look like for Austin Matthews staying with that organization where, you know, you look at guys like, Tavares who come home to Toronto. Matthews is not a Toronto born guy. He's he's an American, right? He's he's not beholden. Now he's just buddies with buddies with he, Bieber. He though. is buddies with Bieber. That's tough, right? It's a tough well if Bieber buys the Ottawa Senators, maybe, but I don't want to throw that on so Whoa, okay. Whoa. But no, he, he he's not beholden to the Toronto area. I think, you know, when you talk about ten million dollars being added to every team's salary figure for the next or ten million dollars of relief. You want to look at it that way, being added to every team, you know, in a couple of years. Guess where that $10 million should go for all 32 clubs should offer that to Austin Matthews. I think that if he's a West Coast yeah. guy through and through, I think LA is going to be the team that gets him. Interesting. I'll say he okay. stays. That's fair, and he probably will. I'll and say I'll he eat stays. these words, but. No, I, it, it's not an indictment of you. I'm just, I'm playing the, I don't know. What is it? The Occam's Razor thing? Whatever's like the easiest path of least yep. resistance in a story is just kind of like, yeah, tends to happen. That's definitely not Occam's razor. I'm going to agree because I don't know. So but there's there's a literary uh, a literary device that I know whatever it is. Anyway, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll say he I'll say he stays and is the highest paid player in the league when his contract is up. You think he gets sixty this year? Goals? No. Yeah. 
I won't either. I'll say, but like 52. Like it's not a bad year. 56. I'm gonna. I just don't know about Toronto being. And and I might eat these words. Are they gonna be good? You say. I know you say yes. But like, what if Matt Murray is just yikes, and Samsonov is a one B through and through. Which, I mean, are we? Like, what if Toronto 94 points and maybe sneaks into the wild card? Like, I can see that happening. And then is are Keith and Dubas gone? Absolutely. So it's, you need to win the first round series or else Sheldon Keith and Kyle. Well, Dubas that's the thing. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs, but let's not, you know, count the eggs before they no, hatch. Not, like, I, I know. We're let's not, get out of yeah. the first round before we start talking about. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. No, I agree with you. I'm saying, like, if you're Toronto, let's get out of the first round before we start worrying about other problems. Because if we can't get well, out of I'm the saying, first round you, again, you don't have to worry about Austin Matthews or Kyle Dubas or Mitch Marner or William Nylander because they're going to be wearing a different jersey in the next couple of years anyway. So, in your opinion, if they if say they lose in the first round this year, is that automatic Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe gone? Yeah. Like say say they have 120 points. Say they're the Tampa Bay Lightning and they get blanked by Columbus. Yeah, but the Tampa Bay Lightning, gone? and I'm not disagreeing. I know you're we're in agreement here, but Tampa Bay Lightning got blanked by Columbus, and then came back the next year and won a Stanley Cup, oh, and, and then the Cup, came right. back the year after that and won I'm, another Stanley Cup. Toronto Maple Leafs, true, 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 have gotten their blanked by Columbus moment for the past like six years now. <laughs> so, like, if you if they lose again in the first round, no matter how many points they score, unless like unless one of the arena workers buried like an unlucky loony at center ice, you have to blow that team up because clearly the roster that Kyle Dubas and Lou Lamorello before him built is not working. So that's like like they you can't not start rolling some skulls if they fall short again this year. Like like I said, unless unless there's yeah. a hex, right? Unless there's the curse of the Bambino or the Billy Goat in Toronto that I don't know about, then you have to start over and build that roster from scratch because that current iteration of Toronto Maple Leafs team has failed like six times in a row now. Can you just, like, where's Brendan Shanahan's head right now? Like, does he... he in his he hands, gotta be... Brett. His head's in his hands because yeah. it's frustrating. <laughs> If you're Brendan Shanahan and you look at the talent, that's okay. Cold stove T-shirt idea. Brendan Shanahan with his I'm head. I'm down. His Listen, hands. we gotta get merch up. <laughs> or like surre- the surrender. Want, Cobra, the people like want this. merch, and we're bringing it to them. But no, like, oh my if you look at the roster that you've constructed and the talent that you have brought in, because nobody's questioning how good of a hockey player Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner or William Nylander, Morgan Riley. Nobody's questioning how good of a hockey player those guys are. But like, if you fail again, you have to kind of say, you know. It's hard to say goodbye. The first cut's the deepest. I don't know what cliche you want to use, but like you kind of have to let go. If you love him, set him free. Is that the mm-hmm. cliche that works here? Is that the most applicable one? Like this roster clearly isn't the roster to get you over the hump because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, expecting different results. And over and over yeah, and over six and over. more times. Like it's just not going to happen for you, Toronto, if they fall short again this year. Agreed. I mean, there's absolutely agreed. I just don't like. I think the most concerning thing in Toronto, and we just meant like you can't be like, well, this the same group. Like there, there needs to be, like needs 
some sort of groundbreaking switch. And that's the thing, right? Like, and I don't know if it's Tavares. I don't know if it's Mar. Like, do you do you ship out Tavares or Marner and try to just like Mitch Marner? You're gonna go to to L.A. for a bunch of their awesome prospects and and a couple studs like Byfield. It's like I don't know if you're L.A. Maybe you don't do that, but like, does there need to be some sort of just Earth-shattering shift in Toronto, well, and maybe Matt Murray does that, right? Like I, I don't would know. Hold my breath on Matt Murray doing that. I will say this: <laughs> the guy, the guy that makes most sense to be the fall guy, the scapegoat, is Mitch Marner, based on what he makes and yeah. what he does. I think William Nylander, yep. and we talked about this, I think, a couple weeks ago when we previewed the Atlantic and the Central. Which, if you didn't listen to that, go listen to that, and listen to this, and listen to the other ones in between too. Great plug. You know, William Nealon has been the scapegoat for so long, but I think he's a hell of a two-way center. I think he does his job really, really well, and he's probably the most cost-effective guy, you know. You made less exactly. than $7 million. Exactly, so he shouldn't be the scapegoat. Mitch Marner makes what? 10? 10. 10.9 10. 10. 10. million okay, so, dollars. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the most redundant, when you talk about laying off people, there's redundancies in an office. I think the redundancy in the Toronto Maple Leafs is Mitch Marner if they fail again. Yeah, you send him out anywhere for, for a team's stud young player and a couple of picks or whatever. But, like, the problem is the Toronto Maple Leafs have spent so much time thinking that that shakeup is going to be a 47-year-old Joe Thornton or, or a 39-year-old Jason Spezza or Wayne Simmons, who I like Wayne Simmons, great hockey player. But, like, those guys are not the shakeup they need. I think the problem is it can't be Tavares because his pajamas are, like, fused into his body at this point because he's been wearing them since a 10-year-old. He, he doesn't want to leave Toronto. So it's, it's Marner. Marner. It's got to be Marner, right? Unless, wrong, yeah, no, all right, it's be. let me, let me, we'll, we'll, we'll stop the Maple Leafs talk soon, but let me preface that by saying it's Marner unless you know that Austin Matthews is going to walk in however, you know, a year or two anyway. So it's like, we don't have to get rid of Marner because Matthews is going to be the casualty. It's just going to be a year longer to finally, you know, burn the witch at the stake. We'll see, Toronto. We shall see. Because uh, your daddy, Buffalo Sabres, are coming. Well, to see, now I don't know about that one, but. Hoo-wee. Look at last year. That was, that was like the Buffalo Sabres Super Bowl. Everybody's like, oh, you, yeah, you beat Toronto because you thought it was your Super Bowl. All right. Let's play, let's play this. I'm so fucking excited. That I'm well, here. hockey. Next, this time next week, we'll be talking actual games that happened. Score sheets. I think that game against the. Uh... People remember very famous NRD bets game against the Chicago Blackhawks last year was the Buffalo Sabres Super Bowl. And I'll argue anybody. That. <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, NRD, let's do some uh, let's do some best bets. This will be sponsored by DraftKings. Little tease moving forward. But until that, best bets NRD for the season. I will let you go first. What is your number one best bet? The Anaheim Ducks. To make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Ooh. I believe that's at what? 400, I think. Plus 400 right now, if I'm not mistaken. Plus, plus four plus or four 500. Or I believe. They're a good hockey club. They added Ryan Strom. They added John Klingberg, who now if they fall out of things, then my bet's invalid anyway. But, you know, they might have him past the deadline this year. They're plus 500. So I just wanted to get that, you know, corrected on DraftKings currently. I think that they're going to okay. make the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't hate it. We said last year one of L.A. or Anaheim will make the playoffs, and I believe that very much to be the case again. I think L.A. could be very fun, like very, very fun. 
uh, in Anaheim too. No doubt. No doubt. If Anaheim, Edmonton, and LA make the playoffs out of the division, no surprise here at all. Should I go through all of mine? Or do you want to go back and forth? How do we want to run this? Uh, let's go, go back and forth. I'll do, uh, I'll do one of mine. How about Jake Ottinger to win the Vesna plus 1,800? We mentioned that a little bit ago yep. on the show. I like that I bet. Because they might not be the best team in the league, but he could have an all-time season. He absolutely can. Like, you know, playing 60-plus games, maybe 30, 40 wins type of season. Put up a really good goals against. Put up a, like, Jay, the, the pieces are sort of there for Jay Gottinger if he continues his playoff mm-hmm. run into the regular season. That could be a business season. I like the value at plus 1,800. I don't hate it. All right, hit me with your next. So, you add, just for, you know, to disclose this to the, to the cold stove fanatics out there. Uh-oh. You asked me for three. I put down four. One of them, I don't know if I you can did. say now after the last segment. So I'm going to keep that one in the back pocket I, for another day. Okay. okay. So right now I'm going to say Ottawa, their points total right now is at 86 and a half. I think Ottawa is going to be a okay. really good hockey club. You know, 86 and a half points seems high for a team that hasn't been good. But their additions, Claude Giroux is a great player. Alex DeBrinkett, we know what he brings to the table. I think they do add a Jacob Chikrin or another defenseman of that caliber to the team. By November, December, I, I, it would be a major upset in my mind if they fall short of you know eighty-seven points if the line is eighty-six and a half. I like it. I like it. I think that's probably a popular mm-hmm. bet given with the the Ottawa love Detroit. Similarly, I think that's probably uh, you know I'd take I'd ride with you ride with you yeah. on that and I'd put it that way. Uh, my second one I have to win the cup. At plus 1,200 right now, the Edmonton Oilers. I think it is finally the year that they get that thing done. I love their team. I love their team. I love McDavid, obviously. I love Dreisaitl. It's just about putting it together. The goalie question is solved. Jack Campbell is the guy. If he stays healthy, watch out. Nurse, Barry, uh, shoot, Brett Kulak. Then a guy like uh, oh, uh, McLeod, just yeah, right. They, they just I think it's finally, it's well, finally I think the, time the big thing for the Edmonton Oilers, and I, and I'm actually not the biggest Mike Smith hater on the planet. I think Mike Smith, Mike sure, Smith no. stole some games for the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs last year. Let's give him the credit where it's mm-hmm. due. I think where you're going to see the gains, the capital gains for the Edmonton Oilers, is having Jack Campbell put up that consistent like nine oh nine nine ten save percentage throughout the year. Nothing stellar, yeah. not Vezina candidate, but a 908-909, you know you're getting that for the entire season instead of Mike Smith go out there, have a shutout stand on his head, and then shoot the puck into his own net, kind of up and down. Yes. I think that's going to help the Edmonton Oilers tremendously. The Edmonton Oilers are going to win more games, 5-3, to three, than any team in Agreed. NHL history Agreed. this year. Put that down. Somebody, Cold Stove intern, at Cold Stove intern. Find out what team has won the most 5-3 games in a season in NHL history. The Edmonton Oilers are going to beat. I don't hate that. Mark my words. All right, NRD, what's your third? So we're skipping one. You're, we're skipping that one that you now have. Now I'm kind of second-guessing myself. <laughs> Matty Beniers, plus 550 to win the Calder Trophy. Ooh, okay. I, you know... I said it at the jump when you asked me what I was excited to see in the preseason. 
he was one of those guys that I'd mentioned. I know the popular bet right now is Mason McTavish. Mason McTavish. One of my, my favorite, I think actually both. My favorite, favorite, yeah, our favorite prospect in the National Hockey League. But I think Beneers is actually going to carry Seattle to some degree. And I think the voters are going to be swayed by the fact that Anaheim is going to be pretty decent and you're going to get contributions from a lot of those guys. I don't really know what Seattle is going to get outside of Shane Wright and Matty Beneers. I think Matty Beneers is going to be a very lone, very bright spot on an otherwise pretty poor hockey club this season. By the way, Matty Beneers, on DraftKings itself, the favorite to win is the Calder. So Matty Beneers, I have plus 400 on here, DraftKings Sportsbook. I have Mason McTavish at plus 500. Owen Power at plus 550. Okay. Those are sort of the runaways. Kent Johnson, Cole Perfetti, Logan Thompson, Marco Rossi, Slavkovsky, Wright, etc., all plus twelve hundred or further away, so they're saying it's a yeah. three horse race. I and I, you know, I'll spend two seconds here on Owen Power. He's looked unbelievable in the preseason. It's just it's hard for a rookie defenseman, you know, shoot, most cider just did it, but it's hard for a rookie defenseman to be the Calder Trophy winner. Especially in the division, he's and especially with the young offensive, most cider. Especially with the young offensive talent that's out there. Yes, totally agree. Uh, Beniers and McTavish. I don't think you can go wrong with either one. Owen Power. I don't think he's going to be. Well, I don't think he's going to be the Calder winner. But like, if he is, awesome. And that would it would make my final best bet come true. The Buffalo Sabers over. 77 and a half points. Are you kidding me with that line? Are you kidding me? They haven't been good. Playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> I'm talking about play like 77 and a half points. If there was an alternate over at 89 and a half, I would take that. Look out, NHL. Fucking look out. In the words of Mike Grinnell before they fucking shit the bed, Buffalo's a wagon. I don't know. Look I don't know out. if I take them over 89 points, like you just said. They're gonna they're gonna be 90, 90 point team. They're gonna be a ninety point team. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, media. I'm sorry, NRD. I'm sorry, all you sickos out there. They're gonna be a ninety point team. I got it. it's 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 like forty two wins and six overtime losses. Like that's that's I how got it a, gets uh, there. I got a charity bro. called my wallet. That's a better better use for your okay. money than to put the savers to have ninety points. Now seventy seven and a half, I can get behind. I don't hate that. I really don't. I think they will achieve that goal, but I think I, I think you're I think you're getting too far ahead. But I, see this? This is the Kool Aid. Yeah, exactly. The, you can't see out there. I I am Brett's drinking the, the Sabres Kool Aid right now. I don't know if I would buy into the ninety point thing, but seventy seven and a half. I don't hate that. I think what I might do, and if if the Cold Stove listeners out there that like to. Play the bets, play the odds, want to join us. I think I'm going to go throw in a little round robin parlay of some of our locks. We'll see how it comes out at the end of the year. Oh, okay. Okay. The cold the car- stove parlay. The cold stove parlay or the cold stove six single bets. We'll see where it ends up. But why not? We'll there have we some go. fun with it. Last thing I'll say, NRD, we can lock this one in. We will be somewhere this year at a game for a we cold will? stove meetup. I'm lo- we were locking. We are locking that in right now. NRD might show his face. Yeah, it's a listen. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Let me tell you, brother. I'm just but NRD saying. will be there. 
whether that's behind whether that's behind Jacques Plant's goalie mask or whether that's under my own mug, we'll see. But I will be there. See, that would be very funny if you did a meetup in a goalie mask. I didn't want to reveal my cards, but I think that's where this is going, just for the just for the entertainment <laughs> value of it. But yes, we will do a cold stove meetup this year. Locations to be determined, but I am absolutely all in and we're not doing it, you know, for no other reason than the support of you guys out there, you guys and gals and youngins and oldins that listen to the show. We appreciate it a ton. So definitely be on the lookout for that, like Brett said. No doubt about it. NRD, NHL Rumors Daily. You can find him on Twitter. He's not going anywhere. He's not, not going anywhere. At NHL Rumors Daily, I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman. On Twitter, we are at Cold Stove Pod on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Can't wait for this season. I can't tell, uh, or if you can't tell, we are fired up. NRD, excited. See you guys next week uh, and talk some real regular season hockey beyond pumped. NRD, thank you. At Cold Stove Intern, thank you for looking up that very specific stat that I'm looking for. And we'll see you see all ya. next week.